You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 106 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, MTV VJs. Oh my God. <laughs> it took me a second to make that connection. <laughs> you were like, what is he talking about? I was, I was like, Dan Cortese? What? Who? <laughs> um, no, the guy that looks like uh, the one kid from Stand By Me. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, and we package it up in a podcast and deliver it to an iTunes near you. Yes, we do. And we're just two dudes with a podcast. We're just sitting here in a couch, and on, a ca- on a couch, not in a couch, on a couch in Culver City, uh, talking into a couple microphones on a Sunday night. We don't know anything more, really, than anybody else. We've had some experience, and we've talked to some people who know some stuff, but that doesn't make us the all-knowing gods of, of the podcasting acting world. Although it would be cool if it did. <laughs> sadly, it doesn't. So uh, we definitely invite dissent. Um, Differing opinions, arguments, praise, bribes, all of the above. Feel free to get in touch with us and offer any of that. Uh, and you can start by hitting up our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And we've got a lot of that on this episode. Thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, we've gotten a lot of voicemails and emails and all kinds of stuff this past week, so we'll be talking about that, as well as part one of our interview with Caduce Philippe who's that uh, MTV VJ I was mentioning earlier. So stick around for all of that. When you said in a couch, I was thinking of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, PB's Playhouse. You know the couch that talked. Oh my god! Wow. Because you know there Major was like a throwback right now. You wow. know there was like a dude in that. Ca- I mean, right? It was. Oh yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. puppet, right? Yeah. Well, oh my, god. I don't think I've even thought of that couch for like twenty years until you just mentioned it. Bring some, back some bad memories. Some synapse in my brain just like dusted off and started working again. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Wow. Stop drinking. Um, so, uh, hey, man. What's up? How you doing? It's, uh, it's been a few weeks since we've sat in the same room together with these microphones on. I know it. I know it. Yeah. Did you? Did everyone miss me for 105? I missed 105? you. I missed you. Sure and that's you all did. that matters. That is all that matters. That's all yeah. I care about. Yeah. I sure. We have a good arrangement then. Good to see your beautiful face. Oh, stop it. I was telling him earlier that his hair got longer in my absence, which was weird. <laughs> like, it literally grew overnight. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's <clears throat> it's it's growing fast, man. And I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to do a little, little psychology plug here. The more the more nutrified was the word I was going to bust out just now. The more nutrition in one's diet, uh, the faster I've noticed my hair and nails grow. They grow at like warp speed when I add certain foods into my diet. Flaxseed being yeah. one of them. So um, anybody wants to try a fun experiment, eat a bunch of flaxseed and then just show off your nails from day to day to somebody. Nutrified. Nutrified. Get nutrified. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. So what's new in your world, man? Um, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I we haven't even talked about it at all. Like offline, yeah. off the air. 
So yeah. whatever you say right now is going to be news to me. I am the god of podcasts and acting now. I don't know if I told you. Sorry. You are? Yeah. Are you making fun of me right now? No, it was, just, it was just a little awkward when you said it earlier, and I was like, oh, I actually kind of am. <laughs> How do I say this? How do I say this without... Mm. Um, I... Okay, so here's the biggest piece of news that happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> remember when I was telling the story of going out on those two auditions for those ultra-low-budget feature films? I certainly do. Okay. So, one of the producers, the guy who... Um, <laughs> it's funny. We're going to talk about an email that we got from um, a listener named Carissa later on who interpreted me as having to defend my theater credits in this audition, which that's not how I saw it, but I guess that's how I must have come across in retelling the story. So thanks for the feedback, Carissa. But <laughs> I can see that interpretation. Um, yeah, he was like, a lot of theater. And, and I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, why or whatever. And I said, you know, it's my passion. It's my love. It's what I love doing. And he was like, great answer. Like, Yeah, I think you, I, know. Yeah, I think you said like mo- that's where the majority of my professional opportunities yeah. have been yeah. so far. And uh, and he was, you know, he he was like, oh, great answer. What, you know, whatever. It wasn't a big uh, deal, but he really loved my, re- he loved me in that audition. And that's the one where like the casting director called my agent on the spot. It's very unorthodox audition, but he called my manager this past week and they apparently talked about me for an extended period of time. And he was talking about how much he loves me and like all this, there's going on and on. And they had a few laughs and he invited me as well as a bunch of other people. There must've been 30 people at this, um, this reading, but he invited me to this reading of this new feature film that he wrote and is producing, and I think might even want to direct, um, at his financier's house. So picture me driving through those gates at the corner of Bellagio and Sunset. (laughs) For those of you who live in Los Angeles or go to UCLA like Carissa, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Drive those gates and then just keep driving up and up and up and up and up and up and up into the Bel Air Hills up there, um, you know, above UCLA in the Sunset Hills um, to this ginormous house where we were greeted by wine and cheese and fruit and nuts and crackers and men in tuxedos named Jeeves. (laughs) Not quite. Not quite, but um, this really nice family lives up there, lived in the, in this house, and they apparently want to make this film. And I I, I don't know if it's ironic, but it, it's it's funny that after everything that you and I have been involved with, it's a war film. It mm. takes place in Kabul, Afghanistan, and I would be playing a marine. And anyway, I was like, this is really interesting. Uh, that this is the opportunity that's coming my way, but the way that they were behaving, and I did, and I did the read, and it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun, although a little, str- you know, odd. But the way that everybody was behaving at the reading, this guy, this 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 producer who shall continue to go unnamed, and then his financier and whatever, everybody's behaving as though that was their cast. Like we'll be in touch, you know. Great job. Can't wait to like get started. Type vocabulary right and i'm like "Mm, okay i'm not gonna you know how was the script i mean of the three meaning the other two i went out on in this one it was definitely the best there are definitely some 
inaccuracies as far as military fact goes and military procedure and yada, right, yada, right. things that I was just kind of like, they kind of, to somebody who studied a lot of that stuff, like you and I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, but you know, it, it was interesting. What I like about it is it's very contained. It takes place. It's one battle. It's kind of like, um, Black Hawk down mm-hmm. in that it's just one, one event, right. Uh, is the entire film. Anyway, I guess I just don't want to get my hopes up, say. Like, there are no hopes. That's I get. That's my point. Like, there's no, like, hoping. Like, I'm just like, okay, I did this thing, and if it materializes, great. If not, whatever. It's just like, you know, going out on an audition where I didn't have the job before, and I don't have the job now. Like, right. it's fine, no matter what happens. No rejection, right. If it does, awesome. Then I go get to play, you know, yeah. cops and robbers, you know, cowboys and Indians, play soldier for, you know, a few days in in who knows where. Probably Santa Clarita, I'm guessing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know. But I have never had an experience like it before. So I thought it was just interesting to kind of bring to the podcast and yeah, kind of talk about that's, it. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, first of all, congratulations. Obviously, <laughs> you made a good impression with them in your first two reads that they were like, oh, this is our guy for this read for this third, this other film we're, mm-hmm. we're doing. I mean, you didn't, that's basically the actor's dreams. You don't have to audition. It, even, yeah, though you, even though you it, did, you didn't have to this time. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, uh, in similar news, uh, you know, shout out to... Uh, the uh, the ghost host uh, Ben Whitehair because he just I mean it was very similar he got he got an offer on an ultra low budget oh I remember seeing a Facebook post about this I think yeah, yeah yeah I mean you know and it's just we had this we had this exact conversation again because he was the one I don't know if our listeners remember from a while back who was like that is exactly why you just go you just go to the audition you yeah. never know what's going to happen even if it's a worst thing you think you've ever read or you're just you know it's going to be embarrassing right and like i said then you know that's what happens is that actors bring that energy into the room with them they're like oh this is all shit and then they got this chip on their shoulder and then you know it's like fuck the world Uh uh (laughs) as opposed to just being like you know what i'm gonna go like i'm gonna make this material sing yeah like no one else can and they're gonna go oh an actor yeah. Oh, it'd be like a cool drink of water in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And he, yeah, that cast director could be working on a million different projects. And he was. He was working yeah. on one, you know, where he's cast, they were casting the next day. And that's how I, so anyway, continuing that line of thought, but also just, you know, thought it was interesting. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, God, I can't wait until, like, I'm, do, I'm having this exact same experience, except it's like, David Lynch sitting there, you know, and I'm yeah. at, you know, some big, you know, you know, Harvey Weinstein's like house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm sitting around a table with, you know, A and B list right, right. actors like, you know, it, that will be ju- just as cool an experience as this was. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track. <clears throat> I mean, you're pretty much there, just minus the actual Weinstein's. You still, you've got the mansion, you've got the long driveway, you've got the <laughs> gates on Sunset, you've got the feature film, you've got the them talking about as if this were the cast. It's just missing the names. Yeah, this is that. This is that like amorphous kind of static that happens between. Oh, I moved to L.A. and James Cameron hired me for this role. This yeah. is the stuff that happens in between right now. So it all is. Yeah, it all is. And um and then I was just about to segue into you know getting ready 
So it's perfect because like, um, you know, it's a, it's, you know, luck meeting opportunity that, you know, I, I did want to mention that I jumped into Trevor's, um, P90X ultimate comeback challenge group to stay committed to my physical fitness and be ready when, when, you know, when the time comes. Yeah. I, I love the way this group is just tackling this, this just like going after the jugular, you know, and it's a good group. Um, how about you, man? What's good? I mean, obviously we're doing the P90X thing together, so yeah. that's a good segue. That's going really well. Um, you know, the beach body business, I'm, I'm plugging away on that. I've plugged it into some really great training. That's more specifically for, um, people in the network marketing world. Um, and I feel a lot better about telling people that I'm involved in network marketing right now because, because of this training, like this is clearly, legit stuff and just some of the stuff that I've been exposing myself to um has just like the feedback has been not the feedback but part of the training has been like this is a fantastic way to make money first on the side and then is your main source of income to develop passive income in fact there's only one drawback and that drawback is that people who, who don't understand it are going to mm, not respect you or doubt you or think that you're involved in some sort of a legal pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Like the, like that's what you have to deal with. Yeah. That's your biggest challenge in this whole thing is just to convince people that you're not being had by some scam. Hmm. So, um, once I read that, I was like, ah, oh, like for some reason it took a weight off my shoulders. Cause there was a little voice in my head saying like, yeah, but Trevor, you know how distrustful people are of network marketing mm-hmm. and with good reason. There have been some scams out there yeah. that are totally like, like awful, you know, and they've, I almost fell for one. Um, it was, uh, prepaid legal or something like that. Oh yeah. I was being oh recruited God. by them. They were recruiting me. Like, like I had so many people after me, uh, about that. Yeah. 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 So like that left legal a really insurance, bad insurance. Yeah. That left a really bad taste in my mouth and, and they got debunked within a year or two of starting, but you know, this well, is, you know, what's interesting about, uh, the prevailing beliefs in the culture around the network marketing is it's actually supported the takedown of some of the more legitimate ones. Like, I don't know if you heard, um, last year, late last year about what happened with Herbalife. No, what happened? Somebody, um, with an interest in it, uh, was started spreading quote unquote rumor. It's really funny. They started spreading rumors that it was a, network marketing company which it is and has like and has been for like 30 years like it came out they came out like herbalife's been around like since like the 70s or something like that kind of giants yeah they've been around forever and so they were like oh it's a pyramid scheme blah 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 i started spreading all this negative press anyway turns out that this person was short selling the stock so they were they were betting as short selling is like it's like gambling that the stock's gonna go down oh so they had sneaky. They had a, a vested interest in and in, in in debunking the and it works as far as bringing their um, wow their stock down, but it's just all, all I'm saying. All, you know, all that to say right. that like you have that to contend with in the culture. Yeah, you know, already. Yeah. The the good news is it's like I I can't think of a, a more reputable company to be working with when it comes to like Beachbody because everybody's heard of P90X. Everybody's heard of Insanity. They know that these programs are awesome, that they work. Um, I canceled my gym membership. All I do is P90X now and, and swimming when I can. 
Um, so it's like, it's not like I'm dealing with something that nobody's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, they are a well-known, well-respected international now. And they just brought, they're, they're now doing business in Canada. Um, and they're debt free and they, you know, it's like a $40 billion a year company. It's like, this is, it's like legit, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's cool. Um, there's two other stories I wanted to share just recently that have been up to. Number one was a, a cool kind of thing that may lead to a thing <laughs> that I that I just kind of happened I don't know to what you're do. Talking about. So I, uh, I I supported this. I actually mentioned this in the last episode, but cut it. I, I've supported this guy's book on Kickstarter a couple months ago. He's writing the book, self-publishing it. I liked the idea. I bought it for ten bucks and got the digital copy a couple months later. And I've been reading it, um, and I just felt myself wanting to read it out loud. I just felt when I was reading it, it was just hard to not read it out loud. So I started reading it out loud and I was like, well, if I'm reading this thing out loud to myself, like a crazy person, I might as well record like an audiobook demo or something. So I did. I recorded like a three minute sample of one of the chapters. I think I know where this is going. And I, I threw it up on uh, ACX.com, mm-hmm. which stands for Audible creation exchange mm-hmm. and that's where it's like a marketplace to connect content creators or rights holders and um and narrators or actors or voice actors or whatever to create audiobooks basically mm-hmm. uh and it's free and it's awesome so i threw it up on there made a profile it's my only sample and then after a couple of days i was like why don't i just email the author and try and parlay this into some work i mean what's the worst that could happen he could say that sucks never talk to me again and then whatever so I emailed him and I said, Hey, I, I really enjoy your book. I backed your Kickstarter campaign. I recorded this demo. I just thought you might like to hear it. Um, if you have any plans for an audiobook, I'd, I'd love to be in contention for one of the guys. And, uh, he wrote me back like right away and was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and he sent it to his like, cause he, he actually is the, also the co-founder of some T website that you and Nelson back in the day were all about. So this guy who wrote the book is, is kind of, kind of a name in the the tech startup world and the book has a lot to do with the tech startup world what's his name jack cheng um i don't know the name i can't think of the name of the it's called like steeply or something i don't know some some tea connoisseur community okay anyway i know and you and nelson showed it to me years ago and it turns out he's one of the co-founders so he sent wow. it to all those guys and those guys all ended up tweeting me saying like this is so cool what? and then he sent it out to all his followers and i got a bunch of people just saying how much they enjoyed it Anyway, long story short, Jack said, uh, he said, you know, this is really great. I'm working with a, an agent I met through the Kickstarter campaign. We're working on getting paperback distribution, foreign distribution. So right now, I'm not sure how things are going to play out, but I'll be in touch in a few months um, about the audiobook. Um, so if it, cool. If it goes the acx.com route. Yeah. Um, which it may. He didn't even know it existed until I, I sent it to him. So it was, it was kind of cool to, uh, to do that. And then the second thing was just a little personal story. Uh, I've been rebooting the makers group. Do you remember the Facebook group and my short film donor kind of came out of that? Yeah. So for those who may have forgotten about it or missed that episode, we talked about several dozen episodes ago, creating like a Facebook group of people that were committed to just creating content every couple weeks or every month, just so you could constantly be practicing, shooting, directing, editing, acting, doing sound, doing lights, just producing content. And so you also had stuff to be telling casting directors and producers and director friends about. So you could be sending them postcards saying, I'm busy, check out this stuff. Here's a YouTube clip that I just wrote and made and I'm, you know, working on my chops. And, um, I've been trying to get that group started again. And I just had this idea for a scene pop into my head and I just have had it kicking in it around in there for a few days. And I was on the bus the other day going to one of my thrival jobs. And I was like, 
how much longer is this going to kick around in my head? I have everything I need right now. So on the bus, on my phone, I wrote the scene. Nice. And I was like, I got off the bus and I was like, done. That was like, what, 20 minutes? And it was just, it was just a little moment where I felt really empowered. Yes. Because I took advantage of the technology, the time, and the urgency of it. And it's, it's done. I mean, I'm just going to start sending it to people now and getting feedback and hopefully we'll shoot it in a couple of weeks. It's just a simple little scene, but it, it, I just thought to myself, like, anybody can do this. In fact, everybody should be doing this. Like, why not? We all have these little pockets of time and your iPhone is the most powerful tool arguably that humanity has ever had and oh mass. So why not be leveraging that every free moment that you've got? If yeah. you've got a story to tell, what is stopping you? You removed all barriers to, to, to entry, all conversations, all considerations, anything that was keeping you from creating. You just removed them. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. There's nothing stopping me. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And it was, it was very cool to just get on the bus, have the thought, and then get off the bus with a finished product. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of editing to this. It was just a really simple little scene. It's got a nice little arc. And it's just something we could shoot in somebody's apartment for an hour or two on a Saturday afternoon and be done with it. Shipping. Always be shipping. Real artists ship. Boom. Always be shipping. Yes, indeed. Love it. So there's our homework for this episode. If you've got that scene or whatever knocking around your head, stop procrastinating. There you go. You've got... You've got every resource in the world available to you. Just take advantage of it. We should we should do some kind of like write it on your phone contest or something. Or contest yeah. or hashtag or something like that. Oh, I love that idea. Actually, that's really great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Write it on your phone. Write it on your phone, and yeah, that's really smart. Dude, what, what did you use by the way? What I is the, the notes, notes app? The notes app, yeah, <laughs> like the one that came on the phone. I didn't uh, yeah. download some fancy screenwriting app. You know, it's like there's nothing stopping any of us. Love it. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, um, so yeah, man, that's well what's, done. That's what's new. In my- <laughs> Thank you very much. Well Thank job. some listener questions but before we jump into those we should probably uh thank some listeners yeah i think Um, so yeah so we've got some thank yous people who donated or called in or uh, our new patrons um uh starting with uh we should probably start with george um Mm. savage just i mean we sent him an email as soon as this happened but he left us three voicemails back to back to back with just some really, really awesome ideas. I mean, he's always been supportive of the podcast. And the voicemails were specifically like, hey, I know you guys have been talking about monetizing the podcast. You should do it. Go for it. And, I, and he, I'll even give you some ideas to get started. Holy crap, George. I know we sent you an email, but like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Big time. Um, yeah. So thank you very much, George. And then uh, James just wrote in with some nice words uh, and just basically told us a little bit about his journey and uh, how he plans to be supporting the podcast in the future. And it was just a nice, one of those emails that we get every so often that just says, um, this podcast has been a huge part of my journey. It's really kind of helped redirect my life towards my dreams in a more um, accessible way. And I just really appreciate what you guys do. So I wanted to give him a shout out because those warm fuzzies are priceless, man. So thank you, James. 
Uh, and then we have uh, a one-off donation from Mary. Thank you very much, Mary, for your contribution. And uh, our newest patron, Dana. She signed up recently Woo-hoo! to become a recurring monthly supporter of the podcast. So thank you very much, Dana. Did she send you um, a little bio? Not yet. We haven't gotten a headshot and a bio and, and social media links and stuff like that. So, Dana, if you're listening, please uh, email that to the podcast. We, we sent you an email, I believe, um, asking for it. So just uh, be sure you get that to us. So we have one, two, three four, five, <laughs> six email questions. And they're all, Yay. most of them are, are fairly in depth. So we should, so we just, we've got about five minutes to do it. Should we hammer out as many of these as we can? Uh, with five minutes? Yeah. Let's, well, I mean, you know, we want to get to all of them. So we, we do, we may save some for other episodes, but, um, yeah, we'll get through what we can. Okay. So <clears throat> should we start at the top here? Yeah. All right, cool. So Mike writes in. Mike and, and long-time listeners will know Mike because Mike has been so uh, participatory with uh, the show. Uh, and he wrote in and he basically said, um, you know, a lot of people I've met from L.A. are currently down there and talk a lot about networking. There's that word, networking. word We hate that word. Um, but we all know what it means. We prefer the term relationship building uh, because it just connotes, you know, a more intimate connection. He says, but I don't hear you guys talking about going to clubs or bars to network. And then he actually says, I hate the term as much as you do. But is that as important as going to workshops, taking classes, sending out resumes and postcards and editing your reel and all that fun stuff? How important is it to actively be going out and doing that stuff? And I'm going to say just as important, if not more, because people hire their friends and who it really is who you know. Brian Vermeer said it all the way back in episode three. He pounded it into the microphone, almost literally. This is a relationship business. Mm -hmm. So having people skills and having the ability to hone those skills so much that you get along with a wide variety of people from all walks of life is just as much of an asset to your career as the actual talent and materials that you bring. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not about going to bars or clubs. You're not (laughs) and trying to (laughs) randomly run into Harvey Weinstein. Like it's not, it's not, it's more about, you know, you can get creative about it, but you know, like, let's say if you're going to, if you see an invitation for a mixer or something like that, sure, go, but don't go with the express, you know, purpose of quote unquote networking. Yeah. Go to make friends like a human being, like go and learn about people or like, you know, uh, the tips that Trevor has said on the podcast before, like be generous, be more interested in them than they are in you. Ask lots of questions. Like, be a human being, not a, a, a an automaton who's there just to network. Yeah. And yeah, you know, have business cards or have a headshot and resume or have, you know, contact information for your reps, but don't, don't just go to a thing and like, hand, I, okay, at the end of this read, <laughs> at the end of this reading I was talking about earlier in the podcast, this guy went around to every single person in the house and handed out his business card, his acting business card. Hmm. And I'm like, I, okay. Who are you? (laughs) Like, I didn't, you know, you were in the same reading as me. I don't know who you, like, okay, great. Thanks. Like, nice to meet you. Yeah. And yeah. And I guess that's smart. I mean, but uh, there's got, I mean, if I were that guy, I would probably back that up with a short conversation and I'd find out what you were interested in and how I could possibly add value to that facet of your life yeah i went to uh, uh i just went to uh, an interview for for lyft 
So yeah, I, I want to yeah. start. I want to start driving for for Lyft. And I met a guy there who's a photographer, and we just got to chatting. And I was like, yeah, I was like, man, I know a lot of actors. So if you do headshots, you know. And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he gave me his business card, and then and uh, I gave him mine. And then he followed up with an email. I was like, hey man, I'd love to have your like personal contact information, you know, so I could let you know if I'm like running a special. Whatever. I was like, yeah, absolutely, because we had established some kind of relationship, yeah. you know. And and like I really appreciated that because you know. We're all trying to work. Like the end goal is to create relationships so that you can build a career. We all are trying to work. So I get it. Like that's the guy's bread and butter is being a photographer. You know, I get it. So, you know, be a human being who happens to be a photographer. Be a human being who happens to be an actor. Not a networker who who wants to act. Right, right. I think we've ranted about this <laughs> quite enough. <laughs> yeah, that is that is right there in a nutshell. How to build bulletproof relationships. Um, cool. So uh, next one comes from Andre. He says he's an actor from Brazil. He's 39 years old, and he's kind of a beginner. He's just gotten into this, but um, he's had a lot of success, and he's been listening to the show, uh, and he has been getting a lot about um, a lot of information about what works in the U.S. and how things kind of how people roll in Hollywood and this whole world. Uh, and he basically says, um, "What do I do when I get there?" And and this is tricky because this is the the question that we are answering with the entire podcast. Um, he says specifically, should I subscribe myself to an agency manager or agent? And I think he meant to say submit, submit myself to an agency manager agent. How should I proceed to, to, um, be, be part of the union essentially. And whatever tip, what other tips you could give me would be useful. So I just thought AJ that we'd maybe do our top three right off the top of your head. What are three things that you wish you had just honed in on as soon as you got here? Oh my god! Um, well, the relationship thing yeah, is, is huge. <laughs> it's like, like, the, it's like that's number, the first one. It's number yeah. one, number one, uh, build relationships, and it doesn't necessarily mean build relationships with quote unquote gatekeepers or quote unquote uh, people who could give you jobs. It's just about building relationships. You mm-hmm. know, kind of you know, getting your roots down. Um, so finding a theater company or finding a group of actors that want that you know like making short films or finding a group of actors who you know have been around for a while and therefore can answer your questions. It's kind of like having a live podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's what the podcast is here for. Yes, sure, but also you know if you have a group of friends that can answer your questions, that's also a good thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. That's my top three. That's your top three. No, 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 no. Um, I would say you know make sure. You've got uh, your headshot and resume in order, and then uh, get involved. If you don't have representation, get involved with something where you can get in front of them, whether it's um, a, a, and in this order, a play, a uh, showcase, uh, and a work- workshops. Mm-hmm. The, in that order, I, of that's my personal preference. I like that. Uh, I would also say relationships, number one. Number two, I would say also your materials, your headshot, your resume, and especially your reel. And that's a nice kind of segue into number three. I would say start working on student films and indie films and get on the the LA casting and actors access and yeah, electronic submissions I guess websites. Like, I guess like casting frontier. That would be my and, number four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all those, just get on those and start submitting and start working on those as much as possible to get to get experience with not only experience in front of the camera and, and footage for your reel. Cause a lot of the footage I've got on my reel was just from student films. that looks fucking epic. 
and it was awesome and I did good work in them and I, I was about to not go to that audition because I was like, eh, it's a student film. But guess what? <laughs> it really panned out for me. Yeah. And uh, all those people now are, are working. So the second the second reason to get in front of these people is, or start working with them is because you never know. Like that student at USC could be could be, you know, like Zack Snyder in five years. He could be the next 300 Superman director, you know? Yeah. I mean, he could be, you don't know, you know? And yeah. how good would it be to have worked with him when you, he was just getting started? I mean, and there's a lot of talented filmmakers coming out of these schools. I mean, uh, LA is r- very rich right. with yep. that. So uh, those would be my three. Nice. All right. Um, we are out of time, but let's just quickly tackle uh, Helena's. Yeah, um, absolutely. M- what she mentioned. Um, so we got an email from uh, Helena Santos Levy. Um, I think <laughs> she sent us a voice message like, "This is how you say my name." Um, <laughs> I, and, I think we got it right, didn't uh, we? She, I, I One of the so. versions. <laughs> um, and she brought up a very good point and something that we have been conscious of, but just haven't mentioned on the podcast, and now regret not mentioning on the podcast. Yeah. But um, she she just she sent us a very nice note saying, "Love the podcast." She I she sent us some some links. Uh, and finished finished the email by saying, "Hey, wondering if you have any women coming up as IEP guests. Uh, while I love me some men's with a Z, the podcast has been really male heavy lately, and I'm wondering where all the ladies are at. It has been, yeah, uh, it, it has been. We've been yeah. very conscious of that. It's just been kind of the way that things have been falling into place. It's what's funny is I don't know, funny. I'm not." This this has nothing to do with I'm not shirking responsibility because this, this whole thing is our responsibility. But a lot of the scheduling uh, stuff that has come up and people not either not responding to us or us not getting in touch with them or not having scheduling stuff are are women female guests. Like we've had um, uh, we've we've had. S- I, th- I can think of three right now off the top of my head who we've had lined up for a v- actually four. I just thought of another one Four female guests. We've had sort of lined up or wanting to get on the, on the podcast for a long time. And just because of schedule, like, some of them are like working actors, like yeah. all the time yeah, working actors yeah, we've been in communication with, that we've been yeah. in communication with them and trying to lock them in. has been challenging. So then, um, we just, you know, end up going with some of our other recent guests who just happen to be men. So it's something we are already conscious of, please 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 for this goes for all of our listeners if you have any feedback along those lines uh please send it in um we all we've gotten several emails recently where people have you know guest suggestions and that kind of thing um and we're open to all of that yeah um i think we are out of time i was going to say the same thing by the way uh, <laughs> i think we're out of time Sorry. we were out of time but we do have two more um questions and these are really good questions uh both from tiffany and carissa and carissa shared an awesome story uh and a great question for aj specifically and uh and then tiffany shared uh, a really fantastic question that i can't wait to get to um, but we are going to save it until the next episode. Yes. Um, but man, this is a, this is a good one. This is like nuts and bolts, business structure, infrastructure kind of stuff, um, from Tiffany. So, um, stay tuned for that in episode 107 for episode 106. Now we're going to jump into part one of our interview with the incomparable Caduce Philippe. Love it. Uh, I've had the honor of, uh, of going on my MITT journey with him. And he's definitely been a huge part of your journey as well. Yeah, for and sure. uh, amazing man. Um, here's part one. Enjoy. 
right, guys. Welcome. We are sitting here with TV host and philanthropist, Mr. <laughs> Caduce yeah. Philippe. How you doing, brother? I'm good. good. I'm, I, I, I want to know what's amusing about that. That is actually what I do. <laughs> Trevor so just got the case of the giggles, huh? Yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't, he's like, he's not a, he, I know a whole other side. Oh, yeah. Actually, well, I don't. Well, actually, well, no, I mean, I did, I did just graduate you from a leadership course that I was true. part of leading. It's true. So. It's true, kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so Q was, was uh, what we call senior um, or staff member, I guess both, for, for my journey my basic advanced NLP course and it was awesome it was a really cool journey and largely because Q was was there to kind of midwife the whole process and uh, <laughs> I can't imagine a better person to do it and when I started to learn about all the cool stuff he's creating outside of this this transformational work I was just like dude so uh, <laughs> welcome Q thank you for being here my pleasure my honor I've heard a lot about your podcast so uh, hopefully good very, very excited to be here cool well some cool. of our listeners have gone some of our listeners have gone to basic and advanced and played LP. I mean, people in on that team. Yeah, were, exactly. Were the, so. Yeah, some of the other people that were in the course with you. Yeah, uh, Randy Raphael. Yeah, big fan of the show. So uh, Zach, yeah, that's, that's where I first heard Zach, about it. Zach Castillo. Yeah, Matt yeah. Arnett. Matt Arnett. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, they made a point of saying that your podcast inspired them to actually come out to LA and pursue their dreams in the entertainment yeah, business. So I thought, cool. oh wow, that's a heck of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool moment. Yeah. So um, we usually like to start kind of at the beginning and just kind of get a feel for how you got from basically birth through to where you are now. But like, what were the, what were the early years like and what prompted the kind of lean in this direction with this industry and all the hosting stuff you've done? I mean, and well, you're really? not allowed to say the word Canada. Oh, that would make this there really tricky because I was born in said country. Uh, um, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. up north is where I was uh, raised. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just started out really by seeing my mom as a teacher making the difference that she was making with her class and feeling like that was very fulfilling to even witness from the sidelines. So it must be something that. Um, I might want to pursue at some point. So in high school, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to make a difference. And then as I noticed how burnt out she was getting from being a teacher, I thought, hmm, if my bottom line is making a difference at the biggest level I can, it doesn't seem like being a teacher in our culture, unfortunately, is the best way to go about it. So that's when I pivoted. I thought, okay, well, what would be the most effective way to make a difference? seems like our culture put these celebrities before and above anybody else. So I thought, okay, well, it seems like I should probably become a celebrity if I really want to make that difference. <laughs> Wait, how old, how old were you when you made this declaration? Um, I was like 16. Oh my god! Wow. 16, 17. I, I started to become a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really, I really didn't want to um, just keep throwing darts at the board and seeing what sticks. Like my mom seemed to be, you know. I really loved the effort that she put in, but she was tirelessly you know filled with that passion but not met with the results that she wanted so you know it was really one of those things where i just i thought okay let me do that and then next thing you know things started to manifest as they do when you start to set your mind to something um i was really into music when i was in high school so that was one passion that i knew about didn't quite know if that would be a career but i was djing when i started um 
you know, when I was 15 years old, I started really re- kind of dipping, dip my toes into the water of the entertainment business. And um, that really led to my first opportunity in broadcasting. When I was at university for the one semester I was there, um, somebody had uh, heard one of my mixtapes in high school and thought I could uh, help them with the show that they got on this campus radio station. I was at the University of Ottawa. So I helped them out. I wasn't even on the mic. I was just DJing. I was just playing the music for the show. But that idea that I was playing a record and people out there beyond the microphones of the room were listening uh, was a really cool one. And so that was my birth in what now is my career. Um, and I, I was able to rationalize that in, in this new paradigm of, of my goal of making a difference because I really felt like hip-hop and music at large, but really at that point, all I swore about was, was hip-hop. I was, everything else was whatever. But hip-hop, that's the truth. So, so I would spin these records and really think about the difference that the lyrics on those songs were making with the people that were listening. And um, that you know ultimately uh, led to my being chosen as a finalist in the Much Music VJ search, which was uh, a big deal up in Canada. There I go breaking the rule. <laughs> I um, said I was kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, much music is our version of MTV. So imagine, you know, at, uh, I was what, 18 at the time, all of a sudden being thrust into the national spotlight up in Canada on this VJ search. And I did really well. And so I ended up being the runner up. And in the process of having done this, you know, on air live audition in front of Canada, uh, one of the producers of a new show being developed at another network called TV Ontario happened to see me on the VJ search. So when I was notified about this new show, Vox, being developed um, by this producer, Maria Ferrano, um, I, I made a point of putting together a little reel of what I'd done in the VJ search and sending it over. She had seen me on the VJ search, so as soon as she saw you know, the name on the reel, she was still fresh with the memory of me on the VJ search and was like, oh yeah, that kid's definitely right for the show. Sure enough, you know, some of the executives at TV Ontario still wanted me to audition, so I went in there and had her in the room smiling and beaming at me already, so I knew that there was a good chance that all I needed to do was basically what I did at the VJ search uh, for them live, and sure enough, that audition went well enough to give me my first opportunity in television, and so I did the show Vox. Um, it was basically the young 60 Minutes. It was a really cool show. We did everything from you know, feature teen issues like, you know, pregnancy, drug abuse, um, dropouts, but also we dealt with the fun stuff, fashion, uh, trends, and we did skits and spoofs. So that's when I first started doing the acting thing as well. Just by virtue of being the host of the show, I was able to actually do skits and spoofs and uh, really, really fell in love with it. I had so much fun doing those parts of the show. So I thought, oh, wow, maybe there's something of being an actor for me as well because uh, yeah, those got really great feedback as well so um, it was just a really great opportunity and um, it was what I needed to really get me ready for the next opportunity which is what everybody came to know me for uh, at MTV um, but when I first walked in the door at Vox I had no real experience in broadcasting like you know I was actually going to be I have several questions based on just those little chunks of your of your yeah. story um, and that was going to be my first one was, ha- had you had any on-air experience before the VJ search? So no, re- not really. No, I mean, I was just the DJ for this little campus radio station. <laughs> this one show called Breakdown, which is just a very hip-hop-oriented show. I, I would just literally play Nas pretty much for 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, um, and so that was it. And so, you know, doing the VJ search... I, was, I, I watched that footage from time to time, every night, actually. Uh, no, I just, uh, I really look back on that. I remember feeling like I was so overwhelmed. I was so nervous. I remember the night before, 
the first uh, segment of the VJ search, I couldn't sleep, so I called my brother and I was like, "Nate, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I was bugging out." And my brother said to me something I'll never forget. He said, "Don't you ever forget what makes you special? Is the fact that you make other people feel special." Just keep that in mind, no matter how many nerves kick up, just know that you make other people feel special and just do that and you'll be okay. Wow. wow. And so, uh, best, best brother award goes to, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a pretty amazing guy. Jeez. Yeah. My brother, Nate. So, uh, yeah, that VJ search was my first on camera thing ever. Uh, besides the the little demo that I put together to get on the VJ search, and so it was it was crazy. It felt really uh, like an out of body experience. I remember, uh, you know, having the camera in front of me as I knew, you know, a good million or two people, two million people were watching, and just uh, like being really out of out of my mind with it. I was like, oh my god! And I managed to get through the weekend well enough to be the runner-up, but certainly wasn't ready for that kind of a platform at that point. So Vox was perfect because it wasn't live. Uh, it was an opportunity to get developed by somebody in Maria Ferrano, this producer who was really sweet, really nurturing, very patient with me, really allowed me to, you know, uh, develop, uh, you know, as we went along with this new show. There was very low pressure on that network. TV Ontario, I mean, on a good night, we'd get like 40,000 viewers, you know. So it was a perfect uh, incubator for my, my talent. And, uh wow. And uh, ultimately, you were eighteen. I was going into Fox. Yeah, I was eighteen, nineteen. I believe. Damn, that's so crazy. I'm just thinking, like, without the on-camera experience, like, I mean, that's it's beautiful what your brother said to you. And I'm also thinking, like, where does that come? You know, it's 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 like that uh, the it factor, Mm. just like you know, just having it and the confidence and the swagger and stuff that it takes to be. Because hosting is, I mean, I want to I want to get into this later on, but hosting I feel like is. A, a different ball game than, mm-hmm. than acting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what really compensated, I think, for my lack of experience was my passion. My passion for the topic at hand, which was music. You know, and I think if it were in, in, in any other uh, realm, if it was a VJ search for the next news anchor of CBC, uh, which is a big network up there in Canada, I, I was not passionate about uh, world issues at the time, and I would have absolutely not even made the cut. Um, but because it was on the topic of music, I was able to speak into that in a passionate way that really did compensate for the nerves of which were tremendous it felt like a damn volcano was pumping out of my chest at the time wow um and i remember feeling very very intimidated uh by the competition the guy named bradford howe who eventually won that um from the moment we all got together as the finalists i knew he was going to win because he was just absolutely confident he had his voice you know he really did know who he was um always quick with a comment and i thought oh boy you know i'm sitting here nervous this guy's on fire already and uh so it all worked out as it should though because vox was a great opportunity um really did bring me up to speed and then the next thing that came coming was mtv wow so they, did they contact you no MTV? what happened was uh and this is really a testament to how you just never know who's gonna make that difference with you and there was before all this broadcasting stuff um i was also modeling a little bit 
uh, it was something I never thought I'd do uh, coming out of high school. Nobody had really remarked how I looked, but uh, my first semester at university, it seemed like all of a sudden people were telling me um, I look like some model or I should be modeling or something. And then sure enough, uh, a, a legitimate modeling agency in my hometown made a point of signing me up. And uh, I, I wasn't going to say no to like easy money and traveling around and you know beautiful girls around me. I was like, okay. I, the whole concept of being a male model though seemed ridiculous. I was like, don't don't just Fabio and people like that do it. But no, and, you know, sure enough, I started to uh, get this work as a as an as a model. But then there was another agent in my hometown, a guy named Ben Barry. To this day, the youngest modeling agent, I think, in the history of the modeling agency world. Um, he and I crossed paths, and I remember thinking, this is a guy that, like, he, he was very flamboyant. Very flamboyant personality, uh, openly gay. And at that point, I had not had much experience with gay people. I really hadn't. And I thought, okay, you know, this is, this is different, but I'm okay with this. Like, he's a great guy, and who cares? Like, whatever. He, he was very dynamic, and he said, listen, I really want to represent you. I'm passionate about you. I think that you, you know, you just laid out a vision for me that was way broader and, and really seemed way more exciting than the agency that I had already started talking to, which was more traditional. They wanted me to keep my name as it was. I was like, no, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to take on my middle name, which is Caduce. And, you know, they were like, well, it's going to be hard for clients to pronounce that. I think we, we should stick with your first and last name, Benjamin Philippe. I said, well, you know, Caduce is really, like, I, my mom was the one who had dibs on my middle name, and <laughs> she was the one that really raised me more than my father. I feel like I want to pay homage to her, and I also feel more like a Caduce. <laughs> and so she said, well, no, it's just not going to be viable in the market. Ben, on the other hand, this other agent, this young guy, um, he was he was like, yeah, I get it, you know? And so we had that kind of a conversation. So anyway, sure enough, though, after I'd done a season of Vox, he made the suggestion for me to put together a reel of what I'd done on Vox, and he was going to send it to his aunt, who happened to be an agent at the William Morris Agency. Wow. Wow. And um, <clears throat> at the time, she was representing Whitney Houston, Alicia Keys, and I, I, I didn't even know what the William Morris Agency was. I was just, you know, a, a kid in Canada who was just getting to know the business, but not at large, really. Um, just the functionality of putting together a show every week. So then, sure enough, he gets her this reel that I put together. It sits on her desk for probably about six or eight months. It's, her clientele is way bigger than any, you know, her nephew's friends back in Canada. She's like, okay, you know, sure, <laughs> your friend is great as a host. Okay. Anyway, she, he, God bless him, kept being persistent with her. And eventually she watched it. And she was like, all right, he's got enough talent. And um, next time he's in New York on a modeling job, uh, hook him up with one of my junior agents there. So next thing you know, I'm down in New York at the William Morris Agency, and I'm meeting a guy named Kenny Goodman. And after about five minutes of sitting with me, he was like, you'd be perfect for MTV. And I know a talent development guy over there, and uh, I'm going to set up a meeting for you while you're here. So the next day, I walked into MTV in New York, and uh, I had that, at that point, I had never even watched MTV with my own two eyes. I, I had heard about it. I knew that it was like the originator of what much music was for us, but I grew up with much much music, so I didn't quite know the gravity of what I was stepping into. But I kind of knew when I walked in the building. I was like, okay, there's a lot of fans out there, and uh, <laughs> some some show called TRL happening. And then sure enough, I went up to this uh, guy's office, and this guy Scott Venner, uh, he was a friend of mine to this day. But at the time, he, you know, he, he really struck me as a guy who I was not impressing. 
I thought, I am bombing this meeting <laughs> because he has this poker face. He plays poker and sure enough, he had a poker <laughs> face. And he was, he was not <coughs> alluding to me being at all charming or getting the job whatsoever. He was, you know, we were talking and I was talking passionately, but he was just assessing. And so it wasn't really that rapport that made me feel like I was doing well. I literally got dry mouth at one point. I was like, oh boy, I'm nervous. I'm like, I distinctly just remember one part of the conversation where he's like, so why do you want to be a VJ? I was like, because I can't sing like Maxwell, and this is the next best thing. <laughs> and so, you know, that that I saw a little smirk come up on his mouth, you know. So it was that kind of meeting. But then after about 45 minutes of talking about life and, you know, a lot of music, he was like, all right, let me put you on camera. So he pulled out these cards, these cue cards from TRL that day. And he's like, just read these off and, you know, talk to the camera as if you're doing a show. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know what TRL was really. So I'm just looking at these cue cards for the first time and delivering it with as much passion as one could possibly imagine. Uh, he gave me my audition tape years later, and he said, "Just take a look at this and have a laugh," because I really <laughs> was just, I was, I was all, I was all energy, all passion, um, no like <clears throat> proper like proficiency as a host. I, I think he really did see some someone who was coachable someone who you know he could develop um but just this you know raw passion and so sure enough (laughs) they uh i I don't know to even speculate on why they hired me i think would be self-indulgent so i just i'll leave it at that but the fact is they two days later called me uh and i was the next vj on mtv how cool man that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy and then you've also now been able to parlay that into a bunch of other gigs i mean you were you were on on mtv for a long time but you were also on duets you were like the guy on duets yeah yeah yeah. you must have been a fan you sound really excited about the show it got canceled (laughs) (laughs) yeah no duets was a great opportunity um a lot of years went by between i mean trl and duets Mm -hmm. and that was when i came out from new york left duets uh sorry left trl and pursued acting i had taken an acting class in new york that left me with acting bug like nothing else it rekindled every bit uh, of the sketch and spoof uh, yeah. enjoyment that i had and so i naively uh, thought i could just come out to hollywood and every bit of the equity that i built up as an mtv vj would be totally transferable into the acting world oh god mtv vj i've been doing this six years now i gotta you know all this teen people profiles on me well, <laughs> of course i'll be able to be an actor right no bueno it was a real reality check because I came out of here still really naive to the business. Uh, I still had that agent, William Morris, but at that point, you know, I was so naive to the business that, like, I would call him sometimes just for advice on life. You know what I mean? Like, I turned my agent into, like, a therapist. You know what I mean? And I, I distinctly remember him, like, always being very, like, straddling the line, like, between being, like, uh, just wanting to say, hey, this is not my job. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. do you want me to be representative? Presenting you and calling you know <laughs> producers about you, or do you want me to like give you life advice? Um, but sure enough, when I came out to Hollywood, it was very apparent that I had a lot to learn about the business and life. Um, but you know, I, I came out of here with all kinds of bravado and entitlement, and uh, <laughs> you know, learned the hard way. I really did. I came out here, um, did a lot of acting classes uh, with Leslie Kahn, uh, Black Nexus. I'd worked with Susan Batson before I moved from New York. Um, <clears throat> work with uh t- tony mondell he's phenomenal for years yeah, actually yeah. he's been on the show yeah it was episode 70 yeah. something yeah. yeah yeah he's great um 
wow, you know, die in a cast for a little bit. Like, so I, I did do the work insofar as developing uh, my craft, but uh, the business end of it was, you know, something I, I just, I was so entitled, man. I felt like, come on, hot off the heels of a six year MTV VJ run. I can't get all kinds of auditions and book these things. And it was a real, I mean, I have a whole nother respect for actors that really stick to it. Um, because it was definitely, it was, it was some years of just, uh, yeah, learning that. And then, um, and then I still did some hosting stuff here and there, but I was very, very, uh, adamant about going in the acting direction. So, you know, the hosting world kept calling, but I was like, ah, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm, I'm moving on to, to acting. <laughs> at that point, thank, thankfully I'd saved enough money, uh, from, from my MTV DJ <laughs> days. So the reality of, of just needing to make money, uh, didn't hit me until, you know, three, four years later, uh, as my savings from MTV started dwindling down. You know, and I did a job with the Nickelodeon uh, called Dance on Sunset. I hosted that show, and then at that point, I was also following through with my passion with music still, um, because uh, people thought I, I could be an A and R, be uh, be an artist development guy. Um, so yeah, you know, that was something that came along, um, and I started doing uh, consulting work at MySpace Records. So there was a lot of stuff after wow. TRL wow. and between TRL and and duets that um, filled out my my experience, and then, you know. Artist development led me to directing music videos for one of the artists that I discovered and developed. Yeah, I think and I saw Mateo. that on your website at one yeah, point. Yeah, Mateo, uh, Empire State of Mind, Part 3 uh-huh. is uh, what we did. And then um, also executive produced a live DVD, and that was directing in, so, in some ways. So it was just a really interesting, you know, five, six years of being behind the scenes more than anything else. Um, and, and learning a lot of great lessons. And then Duets, uh, you know, came calling after all this time. The casting producer from Duets, I asked him, I said, listen, after like a couple episodes we had done, I was like, so what made you guys think of me for this? Because I, you know, I really hadn't been on that big of a radar. I did, you know, correspondent work at Access Hollywood, all these other things, but like really wasn't on the same sort of level as I had been as an MTV VJ and all these years went by. And then he said to me, he said, well, because we wanted a music guy who was a host. We didn't want a host who happened to like music. Hmm. And mm-hmm. after looking at you know, my track record and saying, oh, this guy was a DJ before he was a VJ. Then he went on to do some artist development. And all the while, you know, made a site, theqside.com, which was dedicated to just sharing music for a long time. And so clearly that's my thing, you know. So anyway, Duets was great because it really did get me back on the map as a host and, um, you know, really got me back in stride with, you know, what I'd sort of stepped away from as a host and really uh, brought my passion back to it because it was such a good time. And I was like, why did I stop hosting again? (laughs) But, you know, sometimes we need to sometimes, you know, find... Uh, our passion for things after we've taken them for granted in some ways or or you know diverted our passions otherwise but anyway it's a beautiful thing to come back to, to it and do duets and, that's so uh, cool yeah I, lo- I love that show and I'm, I, I was I was definitely bummed that it, it got cancelled but I do believe that everything happens for a reason you know yeah I remember when I lost the VJ search back in Much Music I had the same feeling when they announced the Bradford How one I was like I'm not that disappointed because I do feel like everything happens for a reason. You know, that, well, that is... Well, you, you moved on to... Yeah. MTV. And that is, that is something I noticed that's a common theme among successful people is that from a very young age, they all believed without a doubt, 100%, that they were destined for something big. Yep. That they were... That it was just inevitable. It was just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then no matter what happened along the way, you know, whatever disappointment or rejection or whatever you want to call it happened, mm-hmm. they're always just like... 
not my time yet. This is when one door closes, another one opens. Exactly. And they were just relentlessly committed like- to that to that vision, and it just it just. It's just like the universe just kind of, after a while, just like, yep, yep, no, you're right, you're was, right, you're was, that, you are that guy, you're right, you know? <laughs> I was just about to say, you sound like one of those notes from the universe right now. Yeah. <laughs> they, do, they all sound like that. It's like, you know what the best way to get what you want, AJ, is pretending you already have it. Like, yeah, you know I, it was I mean? like, like this morning's idea. I did, it was it? like two days ago was that exact quote. And yeah. I love, <clears throat> I love too, that you keep bringing it back to passion, because what it reminds me of is um, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It, where he talks about, like, he uses this example of, like, this guy who's working a nine-to-five job that he hates or whatever, and, like, getting him into to something that would actually support him he said if you take a guy who's like passionate like let's say he's passionate about be- baseball and he's good at writing and you have him go on camera to talk about music for instance it's going to totally fail mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to fail it's going to flop but if you have him write about baseball mm. it's going to be a huge success so mm. if he starts a baseball blog or something like that like he could it could blow up yep. and so <clears throat> you know you were saying like you didn't have the on camera experience but you're really passionate about music so just talking to people whether it be a couple or a couple million about music was just very natural for you mm-hmm. and so uh i don't know it just reminds it's a good reminder it makes me want to like tell our listeners to get back in touch with not only what they're passionate about but if they are passionate about that it's like okay now like tell a story like if you mm-hmm. want to be an actor mm-hmm. or, you, or even if you want to try your hand at producing or writing or whatever you know tell a story about something that you're passionate about yeah, you know, totally. On stage, on camera, something like that. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> definitely. It's, it's. It seems like these types of uh, distinctions, these types of uh, things that propel people are everywhere. And notes from the universe. If you're a subscriber to that email chain or, or whatever have you, I mean, every episode of Oprah you've ever seen. You know, it's <laughs> like, but it's it bears repeating because none, you know, nonetheless, there's still people that wonder how do I make it. You know, but they don't for themselves check in and say. What am I passionate about? What mm-hmm. am I really fired up about? Mm-hmm. And then come from that POV with everything they do. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, it's you know people thinking that oh, there's no way I can do that. You know, I'm passionate about it, but like, how can I possibly make that a career? But it's the people that are crazy enough to think they can that do it. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like you know the odds the odds of becoming a VJ. I remember somebody told me the New York Times did an article about you know improbable and very cool jobs, and they did a thing about how. It's more likely to become a New York Yankee than to become an MTV VJ. So if the kid in Kansas is sitting there reading that article, it's like, oh, great. Like, what are the chances, right? Well, imagine if I'd read that article and discounted my ability to become that VJ. Or become that baseball player. Or become that baseball player. It's like, so it really is having that belief. And like, sure, listen, I mean, it's not easy sometimes. I think I was very fortunate. I had a series of events that I was able to capitalize on and... Um, and sure enough, I'm here. But like sometimes, it, yeah, it, it it does take the form of you know learning the hard way, taking a bumpy ride. But whatever, it's like if you can see it through from that passionate place, then the journey will be in and of itself satisfying. You know, yeah. that's such a key distinction that we've made over and over again on this on the show too. Is that's that that's a really good illustration of not giving them what they want, giving them who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was having this conversation the other day with a woman that I just ran into, and we started talking about the industry, and she was telling me about this class she takes, and you really learn what they want. It's all about what they want. Mm-hmm. This and, and I was just kind of like, the whole time I wanted to be like, I think you're going about it backwards. Mm. Like, I don't think you should give them what they want. I think you need to bring who you are to the to the, the scenario, the situation, and convince them that that's what they want. Well, yeah, I mean, as a producer now, having, you know, I've sold a couple shows in the past year, um, and I've, you know, been on the other side and casting for these shows, 
um, I'm oftentimes thinking to myself, wow, that person's really amazing. Maybe not for this project, but I'll keep, I'll make a point of like noting who that person is and best believe the next show that I develop, I'll have them in mind. And you know, if, if they so fit that show, but like, it's true because if you come in there and you're not authentic, then, then you're not giving them anything to work with, really. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're giving them what you think they want, but then ultimately, it's not coming. It's not popping because not you're not coming I'm, from that core. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then I, I remember, I remember when I was helping MTV Canada launch because after I'd um, done MTV in the states, they launched MTV Canada, and they asked me to consult the hiring of the VJs up there. And well, of course, they did. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so, so I, 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 it was an interesting process because it really, um, it, I was able to really see that. I was able to see one girl in particular who's now gone on to do really, really well as a host. Um, and I remember she had this idea of how she was supposed to be as a host, like very bubbly and like she came from doing a, a, a kids ch- show, you know, um, and so. She was in that box and and that presented thing, and I remember at one point I did a boot camp. I did a full blown VJ boot camp for everybody that they were considering hiring at MTV Canada, <laughs> and um, and and I broke her down. I was like, so it was almost like what we do in the leadership course to a certain extent because you really got to get to the core of who somebody is, and so that's what it was. I was like. And she eventually cried at one point. I felt like I was Oprah. I felt like I, I did that kind of thing. But it was really important, though, to, to, to make that clear for her that we just want who she is, you know? Yeah. Wow. And even through, like, the, the presented thing, I, I saw that she was talented. I saw that she was charming. She didn't need to put that on. So it was like this added layer of presentation that I did not want, I was not interested in. Right. And uh, anyway, after I, I broke her down, she, she dropped into that, just that. And was simple and beautiful, and uh, we hired her. And wow. uh, you know now she's the the host of uh, uh, Oh Sit on CW. Uh, Jesse um, is her name, redhead. Um, anyway, she's done really well for herself. She was uh, the host of the After Show when The Hills was really big, and they were doing a show around that. And so oh, cool. Anyway, I'm really proud of her because she really did break all the way out of that. And now she's got her own voice entirely, and it's beautiful. She's embraced who she is, you know. And I think that applies to actors too, you know. It really, Definitely. you know, because yeah. ultimately yeah. these huge stars. I mean, there's the Sean Penns. There's certain transformative actors that really do completely transcend every aspect of themselves for any given role. But the majority of actors. I mean, it's essentially you're getting Tom Cruise in just about every movie he's ever done. Yeah. But he's, you know what, he's coming from that authentically, passionately, and not overcomplicating it with, like, what he thinks the audience wants to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that first part of our interview with caduce um and that you are beginning to love him as much as we do um yeah i he's gonna be majorly huge very soon yeah well like ryan seacrest huge and he's already pretty big but yeah yeah i think that's his next echelon is is the sort of ryan because he's already doing that like he like ryan like ryan seacrest creates his own content essentially he hosts multiple shows he's got his hand in many different um, different pots and 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 Caduce is doing that same thing. Um, one thing we didn't get a lot of opportunity to talk about is kind of what he's doing in the sort of um, leadership arena, not just in transformation with MITT and, and centers like that, but also with um, 
he's doing like these talk, like he's putting together what he, what he wants to turn into a TED talk um, already. He's working on that, and then he's also going to a lot of these different um, youth conferences all over the world. The most recent one he did was in Stockton, I think, somewhere in Northern mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's just involved in like some really amazing, amazing, amazing stuff, and. I just love how much he gives back, how much he's in contribution. You know, um, yeah. I really respect anybody who gets to that level of success and is constantly, constantly, constantly looking for ways to give back. So, yeah. anyway, I just want to acknowledge him. Yeah, for that. I think that's one of the secrets of success is to just outflow, outflow, outflow. Hmm. Um, I've been rereading the book called Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. Gawain, maybe? I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but. Um, and, and over and over in the book, um, is it a he or she? I don't even know. Um, this person <laughs> writes, uh, about how important it is to constantly be outflowing. And the, one of the main kind of principles behind it is that when you do that, you create a space in yourself for the universe to give more, oh, um, wow. which is, which is interesting to me. It's a, you, the universe of horrors a vacuum, right? We've all heard that before. So if you're constantly outflowing, constantly looking for ways to give back and contribute and serve, you create a vacuum in yourself for the universe to just boom, dump some more goodness in there so you can keep, we replenish you essentially. It's really interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm always encouraging people to, um, especially in, in transformational work, if people are experiencing any kind of breakdown in their life, I'm always encouraging uh, people to focus out. Yeah. That is know, the, that is the secret, man. Because it, 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 you can move through anything if you do that. Like, you know, if you're, if I'm, feeling crappy about something or something's not working in my life. And then suddenly I go, how can I support you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not about sacrificing yourself. It's not about putting other people first. It's just about giving of yourself being in contribution. And suddenly like, not only do your problems seem like, you know, totally minuscule, but also you're actually putting positivity into the world as opposed to mm-hmm. negativity, which is what's going to happen if you sit and stew. Yeah. You know, so I have a friend from my LP <clears throat> team who, uh, that's what he does. Like he's having a tough time with, with some things and he's constantly calling everybody in the team and saying, how can I support you? How can I support you? Wow. And, uh, it is how he gets through it. Yeah. Cause he's dealing with some big stuff and it's how he not only gets through it, but thrives. Yeah. He, like, it, it just seems to kind of fix things in a magical sort of way. I think I know you're talking to about focus actually. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, um, I've been talking with him a lot and, and, uh, it's been life changing. Some of the things he's brought into my life just by him calling me every couple of days and saying, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. And I'm in my shit. I need to talk. And I want to find out how I can help you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and you never know. You, you never know how those words are going to change somebody Yeah. to, yeah. you know, like you just said, you know, you can change, change your life with just a simple, like, so I realized this the other day and you're like, you know, <laughs> knowledge bomb. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun tangent. Thanks, Caduce. Um, Boom. <laughs> pick of the week. Pick of the week. Go. <laughs> my pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week is a book by a woman named Barbara Kingsolver, who is predominantly a fiction writer. Uh, she wrote the Poisonwood Bible, which I think she's most famous for, or most well known for. I've not read that book, uh, but I've heard it's good. Um, Do you know what that book's about? It's, I don't, I think it's more geared towards women. I'm not really sure. 
Cause I maybe think that's I, a really sexist think, thing for me to say. I don't even know. I think I may have read that book. That's why I'm wondering. Really? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, but, but I'll tell you what, based, on, talking, based, on, the, based on the book I'm reading now, which is Animal Vegetable Miracle, which is nonfiction. It's about a year of her family living basically off the land in a farm in Virginia or something somewhere. Based on this book, I want to read all her work. This is a nonfiction book, but she writes and she basically just talks about you know, the, the philosophy behind growing your own food, preparing your own stuff, kind of the slow food movement, I think is what it's called, which is essentially just being in super close touch with your food all the way down to the dirt on your fingernails from digging the plants out of the, the pot or the ground and just what it's like to cultivate your own food. And she goes really specifically into how asparagus grows and how the, what the, her, what her experience with the tomatoes were like and the cherry tree and all this stuff. And it's kind of like a, a diatribe on modern farming, but she's writes it with such wit and humor and, and, and I don't know, like quick mindedness. And it's really, it's a really enjoyable read. It's, it's not short, but it's, I'm really enjoying it. And it's really making me want to start my own little urban garden first on the windowsill here with some herbs, like some cilantro and stuff yeah. like that and basil. But then eventually I want to graduate to um, some container gardening out here on our balcony and just start growing like, you know, like, I don't know, like kale is really easy to grow apparently. Uh, and yeah. it's hardy as hell. Like it, it, it will deal with shitty weather, weather conditions and still grow for you. So it's huh. kind of hard to mess up from what I understand. Uh, and you know, tomatoes, it's getting to be summertime. So like, I'm really like, wanting to get closer to my food. And this book is, is, has been fantastic and kind of re like acquainting me with what that's like. So I'm loving it. Um, and like I said, based on this book, I want to read all her other books, even though this is, I believe her only nonfiction work. Two things. Number one, I have a few friends who do the whole urban gardening thing and yeah. it's really cool. Um, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. Just FYI. <laughs> okay. I get from this book, dude, I get it. Yeah. One friend in particular who has lost pretty much, <clears throat> Everything she's ever grown, with the exception of maybe a few tomatoes. Um, mm. That uh, is number one. Number two, I have totally read the Poisonwood Bible. Yeah. I think it was a uh, an assigned book when I was like a junior in high school. No, really? j no joke. I read wow. this and it was an assigned. I don't think I would have picked it up otherwise. Um, it's really good, but I thought it was a little too intense and a little too dense for that age, maybe I'm holding myself another 17 year old small, but, um, <laughs> uh, it was really intense, but you know, it's, what's funny about is I always remember this book. This was the first time I ever heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Wow. And what I, a profound thing to remember. From, I remember from it a high coming from book this assignment. book. That's so funny. How cool. Um, yeah, it came out in 1998. So it'd been in eighth grade. So yeah, four or five years later. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a it's about a um, a missionary family that moves from uh, Georgia to a village in the Congo. Okay, um, and you know to be mission and the father is a, right, a preacher, right. and um, it's just about like he's like a Baptist minister and like really you know crazy religious, and his wife is like <clears throat> just gets her wife and kids get just get drug along on this hmm. crazy journey. So it's interesting. Cool. Uh, Cool. Yeah, so I, I recommend that book too. All right. It's not my pick of the week, though. What is your pick of the week? <laughs> my pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week is a. It's sort of a combination of things. It, it, it's a musical, first of all. So for those of you who are musical theater fans, fans of uh, Candor and Ebb, um, 
the theater company that Trevor and I work for just recently produced the Scottsboro Boys, um, which is a Kanner Neb's last musical because Fred Ebb died before it was fully completed. Um, so it was completed by John Kander and Susan Stroman, who actually directed all of the productions of um, the Scottsboro Boys. L- like their other musicals, Chicago, Kiss the Spider Woman, um, Cabaret, it's not only political, but it's very challenging. And it's really weird slash interesting to have a musical be about a subject like this. It's probably their most controversial one, aside from maybe Cabaret, you know, which is about, you know, the Jewish experience in the Holocaust told through this sort of vaudeville. This is a about a very sad incident in American history that happened in March of 1931, um, where these nine black boys were aged 13 to 19 were convicted uh, falsely of raping two white women on a train um, in Alabama. And it's uh, just a really, you know, sad tale of like how unjust the, you know, our justice system was, the court system was in that time, especially in the South, especially with, you know, um, all it took was for, a, you know, a black man to be accused of looking at a white woman the wrong way and he could be lynched. Um, so these nine boys go to jail for a very long time. They're all sentenced to death. They get, you know, trial after trial after trial because the communists uh, at the time who were a growing political party, not, and it was the 30s, so people weren't scared of them yet, um, kept getting them new trials. So anyway, it's a fascinating story. There's actually an hour and 20 minutes or so uh, documentary that's free on YouTube. You can watch just Google uh, Scottsboro Boys documentary was actually nominated for an Oscar. The doc um, was? Yeah. The wow. documentary was nominated for best, uh, you know, full length, um, Oscar that year. Um, anyway, and the music and musical is wonderful. I mean, it's Kander and Ebb. So anybody who's a fan of musical theater is going to like the music, even though the subject matter is very challenging. Um, so check out the music, which I'm sure is on iTunes or what have you. Um, and then maybe even the documentary on YouTube, just because it's, you know, it's an important part of our history uh, for us to know so that we don't, you know, revisit it. And also, you know, this famous musical theater duo's final Hmm. act, so to speak. Wow. I have not gotten down there to see it yet, but, uh, what I'll do is I'll link on our website to the center theater group production page so people can buy tickets and learn more about it and the documentary and the iTunes link to the yeah, soundtrack sure. so that people can experience the whole shebang, nice everything shebang. I just talked yeah. about yeah. <laughs> for a wow, long time. Wow, that's awesome, man. I saw <clears throat> on that, on that note, and I know we're going so long and we're talking so much in this episode, but I saw Joe Turner's come and gone at the taper. This I weekend, saw the first act tonight, which it just closed tonight. I tonight did. Is, I saw the but, first act because I didn't want to miss it entirely. Yeah. I can't. I want to talk to you about the second act because the first act was amazing. Oh my god! I I don't think I've ever seen a better cast, ever. It it is like, I mean, I don't know what I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen a Tony Award winning play, but if I would imagine this is one of those. It was so good. Wow! You know, it's August Wilson, so you can't go wrong. Yeah. But back it up with a cast like this, and the direction was just. Oh my god! It was. It was very professional. I got lost in it. I was just. 
I got lost in it only to the degree that my brain would allow me to stop going, oh my God, this is good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, all right. Anyway, uh, last thing before we wrap up here, we have a listener pick of the week from Jana from Germany. It's a book called Yesterday's Sun. And um, she contacted me, I think on Facebook or maybe Twitter, and she basically was raving about this book and how heart-touching and and beautiful, beautifully written and poetic and what a tearjerker, but also uh, hopeful. It, she said it was just a, a gorgeous story and um, she wanted to share it with our listeners with one caution. She said it might be kind of more towards the female audience, but um, that she wanted to make sure that um, our listeners knew about it because it was so touching and such a wonderful experience for her. So there it is. Yesterday's Sun by Amanda Brooke. Um, on that note, Yana also, for those of us who are in the IAP Facebook group, Yana makes these really great like Photoshop Hollywood stars that look totally legit. Yeah, and they for do. those of us who are doing the vision board slash mind movie slash goal book kind of thing, if you want a a Hollywood star with your name on it that looks completely legit to stick on your vision board or whatever, uh, contact her. Hop on her IAP Facebook group, do a search for Yana, and um, that's J A N A. And ask her. I don't believe she's charging, or maybe she is now. I'm not really sure, but if it is, I'm sure it's a modest fee, and it's just a pretty cool little thing to have, you know, just as kind of a an image to hold in your mind about uh, what the future holds <laughs> yeah. for all of us. So, uh, yeah, I think then that that does it. Yes. Uh, so lots of uh, lots of ways that um, our listeners, you, can um, support the podcast and be in touch with us. Of course, you can head our website insideactingpodcast.com where you can also you can leave a comment on one of the episode posts. You can email us uh, at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com and you can also call the podcast at two one three two actors. That's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. You can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the uh the episode to get your voice uh on this thing as well yep and we're on all the social networks you know where to find us it's inside acting everywhere <laughs> facebook twitter, twitter yep yeah uh actor rated itunes um and last but not least of course there is uh the the um, most tangible way to keep the podcast going which is our donation button on the right hand side of our website where you can give a one-time donation or do a recurring monthly donation and become a patron and get your stuff up on our patron page yeah yeah please do uh if you get value out of the podcast um it uh here's a great opportunity to outflow there you go (laughs) as it were uh and support something that uh that you enjoy listening to as well so um go ahead and go ahead and do that do that uh, right now it won't take you long um, we'll wait. Yeah. We'll be here. <laughs> Press pause. pause. We'll, we'll be here we'll when be you come here. back. So that does it. Episode 106. In the can, baby. Boom. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, get neutrified. Get <laughs> neutrified.